Just before we get started, we want to let you know that we've put up on the site the notes that we use uh, as, I guess, the basis for, for our discussion. Yep. So all the notes from books like 4-Hour Workweek, 7 Habits of Highly Effective People, Think and Grow Rich, and things like that, you'll have access to. So you don't have to go out there and necessarily buy it if you don't want to yet. You can just look at our notes and you can get a, a good understanding of what the book's about. Now, I've got to say that they're good. You're doing well. So this is what uh, we use as, I guess, our summary in terms of guiding our discussion. If you head to whatyouwillearn.com slash notes, yeah, you can get, get the notes. Yep, easy. Highly recommend it. Welcome back to What You Will Learn. My name is Adam Ashton. Good morning. My name is Adam Jones. Today, we're reviewing Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, an absolute classic. Classic, mate. Uh, on the cover of my book, it says over 15 million copies sold, and that's going back a few years. So yeah. On the cover of mine, we've got it's got the same contents, different yeah. covers, but it says, this book could be worth a million dollars to you. And that's um, 1930s, a million dollars. So <laughs> adjusted for inflation, that's a lot more. So this book is uh, one of the classics. Probably one of the most popular books ever, I reckon, uh, yeah. besides maybe the Bible and, and that sort of stuff. I think it is the highest-selling uh, non-fiction yep. book of all time. That sounds right. And it's uh, 1937, I believe, it was published. So it's still still going strong. Mm-hmm. Some of the stuff was pretty funny, and I suppose 1937 was a different world. Uh, I don't think women probably have the same rights as they do today, so there's a, there's a bit of funny stuff in there. Uh, the Depression just finished. Gandhi's still alive in this book. He talks about how Gandhi's a, a legend and stuff. And bit of racism in the book as well. <laughs> yeah, correct. <laughs> so yeah, the whole, the whole book funny. is directed to, to men. And, and if we, um, in our, us reviewing it, if we just talk about him or them or the yeah. man, then that's yeah, coming from Napoleon's yeah, uh, sexism, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was funny stuff. But uh, So some of the stuff's a little bit uh, out there. But a lot of the stuff is some really good, really good shit. Mm, yeah, it's really good shit. So it's thirteen steps or thirteen principles to to getting rich, basically. Yeah. Think and grow rich. So at the start of the book, it is a word from the author, which is pretty cool. He says um, he's never known someone who has achieved noteworthy success without knowing the secret, which is in the book. So everywhere in every chapter, he mentions something about a secret, and then. If you're smart enough or clever enough to figure it out, it will jump out of the page and stand boldly in front of you if you're ready for it. And once you've got this secret, you're just going to basically, you've, you've sorted out life and you can get to become yeah. a millionaire quite soon. Right, I, I, <laughs> I, forgot about that. I forgot about that. The first couple of chapters I was looking for and then I forgot about it. Did you yeah. find it? No. <laughs> so so oh, we fucked. Oh, jeez. Mate, what was it? I don't know. I don't know what the secret was. Because he said he was just going to like subtly drop it in each chapter. Yeah, definitely need to jump out and stand boldly. Yeah, obviously, we're going to struggle. Yeah. But he, I liked how he said that... Um, so basically, he interviewed a bunch of um, really rich people, like at the, at the time millionaires, which is a, a shitload of money in the, in the 1930s. And it took him about 25 years to research and bring this book together. They went through the depression. But he said that the greatest success for all of these wealthy men was one step beyond failure. So they sort of uh, experienced a failure, but then took that one extra step that most people don't. That's when most people give up. They took that extra step. Yeah, yeah that's a big theme throughout the book. And another, all riches have their beginning in an idea. Mm. So it's all about thinking and growing rich, and that comes from imagination and having ideas and clever ideas. Yeah, and this is where <laughs> some of the, one of the funny things. So he said that like 
one of his old uncle was in the barn and a little coloured boy ran in and, and demanded <laughs> that he give him a nickel or something. <laughs> and the old man said he was going to kill this this little little black boy. And 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 uh, but then the black boy was like, no, give me the nickel. And yeah. I think the the white uncle gave up and gave him yeah, a nickel. Little black boy ran away. Yeah. <laughs> but he the, he said that little black boy shouldn't disobey old white men. That's <laughs> some of the nineteen thirties. There's a little out. Chinese. Um, he talks about Chinese. We haven't slanted eyes or something. Oh. <laughs> some stage. <laughs> Yeah. Interesting stuff, man. Um, yeah, let's get into chapter one. Yep. Thoughts are things. So thoughts are things and powerful things are that when they are mixed with a definiteness of uh, purpose, persistence, and a burning desire for their translation into riches mm. or other material objects. Yeah. So saying that, yeah, uh, the thoughts are almost, as you say, the sort of the, the seed, the starting point for every great success is with a, a thought. Yep. And then, what did you say? You mix it with burning desire, definiteness of purpose, persistence, and a burning desire for their translation into riches or other material objects. Love it, mate! I've actually don't even have that chapter. We must have slightly different. Oh, really? <laughs> Is that right? Thoughts Is of that things. The intro? Yeah, we got introduction, chapter one, and then chapter two, desire. Oh, there you go. <laughs> All right, so mate, what's in thoughts of things? Am I, it's probably the introduction. So a few that. other. That's yeah, that's interesting, <laughs> isn't it? Um, maybe just a few pages on your print. No. <laughs> It says things like sly, so one of the tricks of opportunity is it can slip through in the back door, often disguised as a misfortune or temporary defeat. Perhaps this is why so many fail to recognize opportunity. Mm. Man, I reckon this might be blended with my intro. We probably yep. should have compared before we started. But. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, is this a, he said so the average man is, is familiar with, with impossible, whereas these really successful blokes, impossible sort of doesn't exist to them. I don't know if that's the same section as you got, but that, I thought that was a good bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we got different versions. Okay. I think they'll come together at some point. Fucking hell. Three feet from gold? We, we got that yeah, one. Yeah, those, I've got that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, give us that one. So, yeah, there's a, a bloke who was mining for gold, and he was mm. doing pretty well. He, he, he made a, a few bucks and all that, but then when he hit some other hard material, he kind of gave up because he thought, all right, yeah, the gold has all ended. But yeah, because he he uh, he found the gold and he was following the trail until he got to the big the big mama. Yeah, mm. but that, that's he lost the trail and that's when he gave up. Yeah. He, he gave up and then so he sold all his equipment for a hundred bucks to some bloke at the pub. But the bloke at the pub he went and got an engineer and he got some uh, outside consultants to come in and then do a bit of research to help out find if there was any more gold and then that's when they found the absolute jackpot. So the guy who got advice from the outside came in and he found the absolute mother load of all gold. Yeah, and the first guy, was, he was on the right path mm. and he was almost there. He just stopped like three feet short. If he had kept digging an extra three feet, he would have hit the hit the mother load. Yeah. So yeah, failure, failure is a trick star with irony and cunning. So you're going to learn the art of turning this defeat into stepping stones uh, to opportunity. I'd like to quote, uh, success requires no apologies and failure permits no alibis. Yeah. I like that. So, yeah, the, the start of the book says, when you begin to think and grow rich, you'll observe riches begin with a state of mind, definite of purpose, with little or no hard work. Mm. So, I like that. Do yeah. that. Little or, or no hard really. work. I just... Yeah, some of, <laughs> some of the uh, some of the stuff's a bit a bit wacky, but yeah, it's good stuff, man. <laughs> Mate, is your next chapter desire? Yes. Okay, cool. I think we're back on the same on the same part. page. Um, he says that you know people are jealous of the people with uh, lucky breaks, but they fail to realise sort of the reality that you know. I guess yeah, yeah. Some people you know they either win or they perish or 
people talk about burning all the bridges, leaving no other possibility. It's all about that burning desire to, to win mm. at all costs. Um, and some the outside might see that as this person getting lucky or discovering something lucky that no one else had uh, access to, but it's really about just that desire and just not taking no for an answer. Yep. Yeah, I really like that analogy of uh, burning your boats and mm. ships. So it was about some back in the day, some uh, tribal leader or whatever, just burning all all the boats, and then all the warriors had no other option but to go to battle and win, and they had no option of, of retreating. Mm. And that, yeah, they got they got the W. Didn't they, they got the they W. Got, they got the win. Um, so then he also says here that uh, everyone wishes for money, but wishing doesn't give you money. Whereas desiring, that burning desire, can give you the obsessive state of mind over money, yep. which attracts it, which is sort of the the next level sort of law, law of attraction stuff. Yeah, a lot of law of attraction kind of jazz in here. So there's six ways to turn desire into gold. Mm-hmm. Number one, think of the exact amount. So mm-hmm. you to be precise, I want a million dollars. Step two is determine what you're going to give in return. Mm-hmm. Uh, three, establish a definite date. So you want the million dollars by you know, January next year. And four, create a definite plan. Five, write a clear statement about the amount, time it takes and plan. And six, just read the statement out aloud twice daily. And Yeah, once when you wake up, once when you go to bed. And it'll it. come. And it'll come. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, what are your thoughts there? Uh, well, so the book I did where I was interviewing... Uh, um, big uh, millionaires and billionaires. Mm. I can't... I don't know. For some reason, I can't imagine these guys reading this, making this statement every night and every morning. Mate, I, it's, I think for me, my, and I hope this isn't too bad for the listeners who absolutely love this book, but mm. for me, this has probably got a negative correlation with people earning wealth. Mm. The people I've been who are yeah. reading it and writing it out <laughs> aloud are probably on the lower end of yeah. Well, I guess one, uh, I tend to agree with that as well. One example, famous example, was uh, Jim Carrey, the actor True, in the yeah. uh, uh, early 1990s, where he said he did this, I think he's obviously must have read this book because he did this exact thing. He had the exact amount, it was $10, $10 million. He wrote a check to himself uh, and it says, the step two was determine what you tend to give. So he said, um, acting services rendered. Uh, he gave the definite date, which was uh, whenever it was, early 1990. He said that definite plan, uh, and I'm guessing... So he wrote himself a check for $10 million for acting services, and then like within a month of the date that he put in the check, I think he got signed on. I think it was for Dumb and Dumber. Yep, correct. And, and got $10 that $10 million. million. Yep, bang. But so, I'd yeah. say that's a... That's yeah. a case where it works. That's one case. Yep. Yeah. Which is cool. So how to get dreams. <clears throat> Bless me. Bless you, man. Bless Adam. How to get dream? How to get great dreams off the launching pad? It's a session I like. So no one is ready for things unless he can believe he can mm. acquire it. Yeah, nice. That's I'd say that's that's very true as well. Yeah. So maybe some bits are a bit extreme for me, but that's true. If you don't believe that you actually can, then yeah, you're not. You got no hope to you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that's sort of the difference he says between wishing and being really ready and being that having that belief. Mate, the other one I, I guess to uh, oppose that I liked, he said that no one is ever defeated until defeat is accepted as reality. Mm. So it's only the only time you lose is when you give up and say, yeah, I've lost. Yep. Mate, do you like the poem on, for me, it's page 22. Yeah. Uh, 
So I won't read the whole lot, but the end of it, the end of it, and the basic gist of it says, "I worked for manuals hire only to learn dismayed that any wage I had asked of life, life would have willingly, mm. willingly paid." Mm. That was a good poem. So whatever you expect life to get out of life is what life will pay you. So if you yeah. think if you're just on an average job on an average salary and you think that's normal, and then that's life is all it's going to pay you. But if you're always thinking there's more out there and more to life, perhaps uh, there'll be more opportunities coming mm. your way. Yeah. And I think that's it. I think if you, as you say, if you expect that your life is going to be uh, hard work for minimum wage for 40, 50 years, that's probably what you're going to go out and take action towards. Mm. Whereas if you think life uh, should be giving you, I don't know, whatever it is that you want from life, if you believe that that's true, that's when you go out and take the actions required to, to head towards that. Yep. So, so that's, yeah. Bang on, man. So we both really liked the, the start. And we both really like the book in general, I guess. But chapter three is faith. Yes. So on faith, faith is the head chemist of the mind. When blended with thought, the subconscious mind instantly picks up the vibration, translates it into its spiritual spiritual equivalent and transmits it to infinite intelligence, as in the case with prayer. Mm. Mate, hit me. What's that mean? I'm just trying to work it out, actually, (laughs) still. This is, uh, yeah, so he says that the most powerful emotions are faith, love, and sex. And we'll talk about sex a bit more later, uh, which is another chapter I think we we both like, but we're still struggling with. Um, But yeah, so he says, I think, I don't know, I'm struggling to uh, differentiate um, desire and faith. But he uses Gandhi in this chapter, so Gandhi... Use who's faith. still alive at this point. At this, yeah, he's still alive at this point. <laughs> uh, he accomplished his standing feat of influencing 200 million people to move mm. in unison with one single mind, and that is through the force of faith. Mm. Yeah, I think I'll, I'll try and uh, take it. So from desire, I think the next, faith is sort of the next step, and that's where your belief determines the actions you take, uh, of your, and it determines what your subconscious mind thinks. And I think that through auto-suggestion, which is coming up, Soon, he says that you can influence your subconscious mind, yeah. which influences your your faith. So that is a good segue in a, into yeah. chapter four. So, so the, obviously the subconscious mind is the uh, is the dominating force in your life. So you yeah. got the conscious mind, which is like the tip of the iceberg. The unconscious mind yeah. is really running the show. And yeah. this idea of auto suggestion and doing things like that is of affirmations is one way of influencing uh, your, your thoughts and your subconscious, and then that can uh, potentially lead you to, to different directions. Yeah, I think this auto-suggestion is if the things that you repeat are the things that you believe, and if you tell yourself regularly, regularly enough, Napoleon Hill suggests that you can... Um, the things that you tell yourself are the things that your subconscious mind will then begin to believe, and then that's what the beliefs will then uh, influence your actions. Yep, so if you subconsciously believe you've got millions of dollars coming your way, he says a plan will lock, appear and pop up out of nowhere in your mind as an inspiration, and then you've got to go and act on that yeah. hunch or inspiration or whatever. Whereas if, you're subconscious, if you subconsciously believe you're a low-value person, then you're never going to have these ideas come in your head mm. to be able to act upon. And he said that if you just tell yourself just plain words, um, they do not influence the subconscious mind. They need to have like emotion tied to them. They need to tie in the five senses, um, and you can't appreciate... I guess the results until you've spoken with these emotionalized beliefs uh, and then that's when that turns out into a burning obsession. Hmm. So yeah, affirmations, mate. Yeah. Have you ever done them? Um, 
I don't think so. I might have done them. If I ever thought, yeah, I'm going to do it, it probably lasted two days and then I stopped. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's what I'm missing from getting rich. Maybe. Maybe just do it. See what happens. Uh, uh, the next step, specialized knowledge. He says there's, there's, uh, there's general knowledge uh, and then there's specialized knowledge. So general knowledge is like a trivia. Um, you know, it doesn't matter really what how much you've got. Uh, you can have vast quantities, but it has really no little to no use in actually accumulating money. Whereas yep. specialized knowledge is, is what you want. Yeah, so with specialized knowledge, so you think your professors at university, they have little money, but they specialize in teaching their knowledge, but they do not specialize in organization or special or use of the knowledge. Mm. Yeah, he says that knowledge is potential power. You know, if people say knowledge is power, knowledge is potential power because it's not until, you, as you say, you organize that knowledge uh, that it actually has power. Yep. So if you're an educator man, uh, he knows where to get knowledge and when he needs it and how to organize it. Mm. So he, Henry Ford's um, brought up in the book a lot. Yeah. So I think he said that Henry Ford was on trial for something and the, the lawyer was trying to show that Henry Ford was an idiot. And so he asked him these questions like, what year was the whatever war? How many people died? And all, I don't know, all these random general knowledge trivia questions. And Henry Ford couldn't answer any. So the lawyer said, oh, this guy's an idiot. We can't trust anything he says. He doesn't know what he's talking about. But then Ford said, no, nah, you guys are wrong. At my desk, I've got a button on my desk that pushes and summons one of my um, one of my aides. And they can come in and answer the question or find the answer. Yep. So he's like, I don't want to fill my mind with all this useless trivia. I can just like press a button. Some peasant will come and tell me the answer. Yeah. Whereas uh, <laughs> I'd rather clear my mind and focus on this special, specialized knowledge of building cars. Yeah. So yeah, you want to be working on your, your specialized knowledge. And he says successful men in all callings are never stop acquiring this specialized knowledge related to their major purpose, business or profession. Mm. So those who are not successful usually make the mistake of believing that the knowledge acquiring period ends when they finish their uh, formal mm. education. Yeah, that's it. If people finish, think when they finish school or finish uni, that's the end of their learning and education, but yep. not the case. Yeah, you never want to stop learning. Yeah. Totally. Mate, next one. Yeah. Chapter six is imagination. So the imagination is literally the workshop wherein all, uh, all fashions plans are created and yeah. formed. Yeah, and he says there's uh, two types of imagination, synthetic imagination and creative imagination. So synthetic imagination is... Uh, you've got existing concepts and ideas, and it's just in your mind arranging those into new combinations. Mm. Whereas creative imagination is when you're bringing up brand new things. Yep. He talks about relying on the uh, infinite intelligence. Yep. So, which might seem a little bit out there, but when you think of some instances in history, like, say, an Einstein coming up with special relativity, I mean, mm. it's so far from what the status quo was. Like, mm. You know, it's very believable that infinite intelligence or or the yep. hunches he had were so far out there and different that uh, you know this creative imagination might be might be legit. Yeah, yeah, I tend to I tend to agree. So ideas are the beginning points of all fortunes and are created by imagination. Yeah, and so he sort of says that um, everything in the universe is matter and energy, and that it's just uh, arranging those in the right way. Yep. So if you are one of those who believe only hard work and honesty alone will bring riches, then you're going to perish the thought. You're going to get rid of that one. Yep. yep. Yeah. He says here that um, there's, uh, at the time, so this is, again, early 1930s, I think radio was brand new. And then he was saying that, like, radio is, like, the next big frontier of, like, 
where the next all the next millionaires are going to be made through um, creating awesome radio shows that aren't just your boring old news or talk back. Like if you create some awesome radio shows, um, then you've got a chance to profit by it. I'm hoping that 80 years down the track, <laughs> podcasting is a new radio. <laughs> <laughs> not, not sure, mate. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> So yeah, chapter seven is organized planning. So up to this point, it's been a lot about uh, faith and, and imagination and getting the ideas. Yeah. But now once you've got the ideas, it's organizing these, this specialized knowledge of an idea into a, an actual legitimate plan. Yeah. And man, I think these are the, the three chapters, the next three chapters are the ones that I can uh, more engage with, I reckon. Yeah. And this is where he says, you know, you never quit until you quit in your own mind. Uh, he talks a little bit about leadership. Uh, and he talks about um, you can either take leadership by consent or leadership by force. And so, if you say if you're trying to organise uh, people to work for you, then you want to organise through consent. If you try and force people to do stuff for you, in the long run, it's not going to pay off. Whereas if you can organise your um, your plans through consent of others, then you're on the right track. Yeah. He says no one in history has ever accumulated a great fortune without the cooperation of other people. Mm. Yeah, yeah. you sort of can't do it on your own. Yeah, and the difference, and this is a lot in Seth Godin's tribes as well, but most leaders begin as followers, and the difference in conversation between leading and following is absolutely vast. Mm. So if you're a follower, you're probably not going to uh, be able to, to make it into the uh, in the rich category, I guess. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and he talks about all these uh, industries that require new leadership, uh, which are probably not relevant anymore. <laughs> yeah, Some of these don't even exist. So we'll touch on maybe a few of the major attributes of leadership. Yep. yep. So one, unwavering courage, self-control, a keen sense of justice, definite of dis- definiteness of decision, of plans, habit of doing more than you paid for, a pleasing personality, sympathy and understanding, mastery of detail, Assuming full responsibility and cooperation. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Um, he also goes through the big cause of failure as well. Did you have any of those? There's 31, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'll give, the, a first, give a few. A first few. He just says, um, a lack of a well-defined purpose, lack of ambition to go beyond mediocrity, uh, insufficient education. And remember, that doesn't just mean going to school. And lack of self, self-discipline. Mm. There are a few big causes of failure. And lack of persistence. Yeah. Cool. Um, there was well, there was something else I wanted to touch. Oh, there was a funny thing how he's saying like, you know, you can uh, two people can eat breakfast for ten cents, and he was saying like, you know, you get your bread for one cent, you get your uh, your orange juice for one cent. So I thought that was uh, that was pretty funny. But yeah. he was saying that like the organized planning and how this all comes into place is like, you know, he bought his uh, bread from Kansas and he had his orange juice from Cuba and he got his something else from China. And he's like, through this organized planning of all these people working together, he had the ability to get uh, a slice of bread uh, or a loaf of bread for one or two cents back in the day. Whereas if he had to go plant a field, go harvest the wheat, mush it all up and try and turn it into bread and then swim to Cuba to pick a few oranges, to make <laughs> some orange juice and swim back, he's like, yeah, you, you'd be a bit more than 10 cents yep. yeah, uh, in terms of your, your time and labor. So, so yeah, yeah. big fan of capitalism, obviously. Yeah. It's, it's a mir- <laughs> yeah. He says it's a miracle yeah. that provides these blessings. Yeah, so I'm, I'm guessing that, uh, I don't know too much, I'm shocked on the history, but I'm guessing that in the Depression, maybe people were saying it, uh, 
all these big capitalists have led us down this path and have caused depression. Mm. So maybe they had a bit of because he says here that the capitalists have a, have got a big a, a real negative rap. Mm. They um, still do. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas he's saying that without the capitalists, uh, no one's taking you know the wheat and turning it into bread for real cheap yep. at, the, at a large scale. Yeah. Yeah. Chapter eight, mate, was decision. So he says every one of the, the people he interviewed, which was like 500 or whatever, all had the habit of reaching decisions promptly and of changing these decisions uh, slowly. Yeah, if ever. If ever. Yeah, whereas the, uh, the failures of poor people decide slowly and change their mind quickly and often. Mm. And so that's a quote that a lot of um, the... Uh, events we go to that want, want you to pay your five grand yeah. for their program they use that quite a lot saying so decide quickly and don't change your mind yeah so yeah don't <laughs> yeah, no, works, don't decide tomorrow when you've when you've uh, got a bit more information you can, google, you can google the actual presenter and see how shit their course is <laughs> um, he also says here that you know make your own decisions he says most people are influenced by other people's opinions mm. be that their friends or be that the, the media or the news and stuff mm. Whereas the successful people made their own decisions. Yeah, so he's got a few tips on making decisions. But one of the one of the big parts of this chapter was just about listening. So mm. those who talk too much do little else. Mm. And if you talk more than you listen, you deprive yourself of any opportunities to accumulate useful knowledge. Yeah. And also, every time you open your mouth to a person with an abundance of knowledge, you display your lack of it. Yeah, shit, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, and he also says show, don't tell, which came up in another book. I don't remember which, but yeah, keep it, he says keep a closed mouth and open eyes and ears, which is sort of what you were touching on. Yeah. And he also says if you're going out there, if you're trying to make a decision, you need to obtain the facts, but he says obtain the facts, just the pure facts. Don't obtain the facts uh, by stating your purpose and why you want to know the facts. Because if you say, uh, if you're trying to research, if you ask someone for the facts or and you tell them why, they're going to give you their opinion of why you should or shouldn't do it. Yeah. Whereas you said, just obtain the facts without telling them why you want it. Um, so then you can make your own decisions and not be influenced by their opinion. So, yeah. Chapter 9, man, which is another good one, was uh, persistence. Yeah. And he talks a lot about Edison in the book having, you know, he, what he trial the 10,000 10, times the light bulb and then he, he finally got there. Yeah. He says, with every failure, brings with it the seed of an equivalent advantage. Mm. Yeah, as you said, those ten. Uh, Edison says, oh, "I've never failed. I've just found ten thousand ways it didn't work." So each one brought him closer to the one that did work. Yeah. So no matter if something really bad happens in your life, every time there is something equivalent to how bad it is to be able to profit from. Yeah. And I think, which I actually was at the start of the book, but his son was what born with one eye or something, or, or one no, no, no ears. ears. That's right. Well, it must have just well, been flat. Yeah, flat ears or something. And Napoleon. The whole time he was growing up was was trying to look for like the, the equivalent advantage, which they eventually found in him becoming a, a piano player or something. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, very <laughs> confusing. Uh, some, another deaf pianist there. I think yeah. he was like a, a writer. I think he, he was he a writer, it, he, but he was the only one who could speak on behalf of deaf. Anyway, people he used it and then found the equivalent <laughs> advantage and killed it basically. <laughs> so yeah. he says he without persistence. You'll be defeated before you start because the first sign of failure, you're going to give up. Whereas you need that persistence to keep pushing through the failures until uh, finding the one that does work. Yep. And breaks can be made to order. The only mm. break anyone can afford to rely upon is a self-made break. These yep. come through the application of persistence 
And the starting point is definiteness of purpose. Yeah, nice. We're going pretty long this episode, but it's a long book and it's a good book. Yeah. Uh, next, the next step, the driving force, the power of the mastermind. So he talks about getting uh, groups of people together that can work together. So there was a mastermind like, I don't remember the specific people, but like Andrew Carnegie, uh, Har- uh, I was going to say fucking Harrison Ford. <laughs> um, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe. Maybe Harrison Ford. Uh, Henry Ford uh, and the uh, someone Firestone, like all these big dogs who all became millionaires in different um, businesses that all like lived in the same area and like got together once a week as a mastermind group and talked about what they were doing. Yep. So when you've got an, a group of individual brains and they're coordinated and functioning in harmony, the increased energy created through that alliance becomes available to every brain in that yeah. group. And he says that, you know, if you add all the minds together, say you've got four minds in the room, you actually get a fifth mind in there as well, like the, syner- the synergetic, the synergized mind of everyone um, together. Yeah that sort of just hovers above everyone. <laughs> yeah. uh, your favourite chapter, you fucking horny boy. What <laughs> <laughs> to sex? Yeah. Chapter 11, the mystery of uh, sex transmutation. So this was a, ties into a little bit of the way of the superior man with the sex. But he says that... Now, he says that you, most people can't master... most. Again, this is all men. He says most men can't master this till after 40 or 50 yeah. when they stop having more sex. He's saying that young people just... They get a desire to sex, uh, and then they waste that um, that energy on having sex, mm. which is like that's a lowly physical form of like the low animals who just go out there and have sex. Where he's saying you need to get that desire for sex and then go out there and use it to fucking work hard. Yeah, so with sex, <laughs> you can develop a keenness of imagination, courage, willpower, persistence, and creative ability. Yeah. So, so don't say, waste your sex energy on having sex. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's where I was confused. Is he is he telling us to go out and have sex more or just be more horny? I think you meant to, I don't know, and you meant to get worked up and then instead of having a bat, you go out there and become super imaginative, courageous. So watch, watch porn every day <laughs> before work and then don't, don't whack off. Go don't to work. Use that energy. Go to work and then fucking be super worked up. <laughs> and just aggressively typing out the... Uh, just going hard. So yeah, the urge of sex has the force of capable. The force is capable of lifting men into the higher sphere yeah. of thought, which enables them to master the source of worry and petty annoyance, which beset their path on the lower plane. And he was, yeah, so that lifting yourself to that higher level, he's saying like higher level thoughts have higher energy vibrations and stuff that your brain needs to get up to a higher level to capture that. And uh, through sex, that's when you get fucking to that higher level of vibration. Yep. Mate, well, I'm, I'm happy to, <laughs> to fly through the next. Yeah, next the, ne- the last sex. No, the last three get, became pretty repetitive in uh, for me. So yeah, the, the chapter twelve was the subconscious mind, which we kind of touched on it at the start, I guess. Yeah, he just says that the seven major positive emotions are desire, faith, love, sex, enthusiasm, romance, and hope. And the seven major negative emotions that you should avoid are fear, jealousy, hatred, revenge, greed, superstition, and anger. And that you can't have positive and negative emotions in your mind at the same time. So if your mind's filled with negative emotions, the positive can't get in there. So clear that negative out to leave room for the positive. Mate, you got stuff in chapter 13 for us? Uh, the brain is just saying it's broadcasting and receiving stations. The brain puts out, it takes in. Mm. I don't know. It got a bit repetitive for me. Yep. Chapter 14 was the sixth sense. Hmm. Don't know. Don't know. <laughs> Chapter 15 I really like. <laughs> Chapter 15 I really like, which is the sixth ghost of fear. So before we master an enemy, we must know its name, habits, mm. and place of abode. So it's mastering fear, which is 
obviously a, a huge skill to acquire. Yeah, he gives us here the six the six ghosts of fear, the six basic fears that everyone has: the fear of poverty, so sort of not having enough; the fear of criticism; the fear of ill health; the fear of loss of love of someone; uh, the fear of old age, and the fear of death. So few people realise they are bound, handicapped, <clears throat> whipped spiritually and physically through some form of fear. Yeah. He likes the word whipped, doesn't he? Absolutely. Whipped. Get whipped, like the old uh, white uncle got whipped by the little black boy. Yeah. <laughs> he was so confused how that <laughs> happened. Mate, there was a funny bit here in the fear of criticism. He says, bald-headed men are bald for no other reason than they fear criticism. Their heads become bald because of tight-fitting hats <laughs> that they use to cover their head, which cuts the circulation from the roots of their hair and leads them to go bald. <laughs> Men wear hats not because they need them, because everyone else is doing it, and then they go bald. Yeah. <laughs> Mate, is that true? <laughs> <laughs> Mate, there's bald people today, and we don't wear hats anymore. Yeah, true. <laughs> so I can't... Embrace the baldness, I guess. <laughs> that's, the, uh, that's the message of the book. Don't wear hats. <laughs> don't wear hats. So the only thing you have control over is your mind, so... You know, if you can't control your mind, you can be sure you will control nothing else. Mm. And controlling your fear is is absolutely huge. Yeah. So when you control your mind, you can think. And when you think, you can grow rich. Mate, there's a few good uh, closing remarks toward the end of the book I liked. He says, yep. life is a checkerboard. If you hesitate, uh, your men on the, on the board will be wiped off the board by time. You are playing against a partner who will not tolerate indecision. Nice. So time is just going to absolutely fly by if you live your life without uh, thinking and growing rich and mm. being indecisive and not doing anything. He says uh, another quote, because this is at the end of the, the depression and everyone was saying how bad the depression was, but he said here, the depression was a blessing in disguise. It reduced the whole world to a new starting point. It gives everyone a new opportunity. I think mm. we're in the same boat today after the GFC. Yeah. How long can we claim that? Mate, there's no more opportunities out there than we have yeah. today. Yeah, the opportunity's there. It's absolutely unbelievable what we're going through right now in the world, which is a very exciting time to be alive. Mate, I don't think I'd, I think it'd suck to live back in, you know, the 40s, 50s and 60s <laughs> yeah. compared to now. Anyway. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Mate, I think the biggest one, success requires no explanations, fear permits no alibis. We dropped it earlier, but I think that's, that's spot on. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Mate. I'm trying to think. Let's think it. You get to think, 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 and grow rich, don't you? Just think it. What was the secret in every chapter? The secret in think and grow rich is really basic and simple. You become what you think about. That's a secret. The 13 step for riches. Desire, faith, auto suggestions, specialized. Thoughts of things. Thoughts of things. You gotta persist and. Fly the skies of opportunity if you get fucked up You gotta see it as a stepping stone to get your shit done better Imagination, organized plan, decision, persistence Power of the mastermind, sex transmutation The subconscious mind, the brain, the sixth sense Avoid those six goals Now one sound idea is all you need It's all you need to get rich and become The success you want from your life, just think Think and grow rich, Napoleon Hill, motherfucker Don't let the blue black boy whip you don't give him the nickel. You're white. You don't have to give the nickel to the black. Don't swim to China to get some tea or to Cuba to get an orange juice. Just be a capitalist and buy it for two. Now, we got, we got capitalism to 
do the rowing and the lifting and the rowing and the lifting. We got capitalism here for life. Think and grow rich. Oh yeah. Gotta think and grow rich. Gotta think and grow rich. Oh yeah, the bitch. Don't be a little bitch. Just think and grow rich. Don't be a bitch. You are what you think. You do what you believe. Take action. Just think and grow rich. Napoleon Hill. Just watch porn before work and then go to work. Don't wank. And wank.